What's up? Welcome to the Part-Time Rockstar Podcast, episode 243. I'm your host, Brett Bueller. Today, we have Richmond native Mark Dunn. Uh, he is a guitar shredder, for sure, and he's got a solo album that is currently out. I uh, featured a couple tracks off of it. One is called Jesus at the Core Bar, and the other is called Round. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to get him on the show um, just as a fellow guitar player myself and uh, just talk about the scene down at Richmond and uh, his uh, back catalog of stuff and uh, general musical career. Uh, his new album was produced by Andrew Coleman, who has worked with some uh, pretty big names, Ed Sheeran and Rolling Stones and Prince and some others. Uh, so Mark is fairly well connected, and I uh, just wanted to pick his brain on what it's like to uh, be working hard as a modern musician in this modern age, and uh, be out there kicking ass and uh, just, you know, getting shit done. Uh, you can find Mark on markdunn.com, or I'm sorry, it's uh, markdunnguitar.com, where you can find all of his links and his shows, and uh, he also does session work and stuff like that, so if you need a killer guitar solo on a track that you're working on certainly hit him up for that but uh yeah other than that uh in personal news and notes it looks like uh friday i will be in westminster maryland at Raphael's playing some acoustic friday nights uh saturday night uh the band and i will be down in frederick frederick maryland playing steinhardt brewing uh one of our favorite spots for sure that'll be seven to ten and uh yeah Otherwise, I uh, hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, maybe you uh, a little hungover today. Who knows? Hopefully you got everything you want. And uh, hopefully you're booking gigs and getting ready to kick some more ass in 2024. Uh, last few things I normally mention. Uh, there is a Shopify store if you want a shirt for this show. Also, Part-Time Rockstar Productions is going if you need a music video uh, for the new year. And then, uh, last but not least, the sponsor of the show is Truly Strings Guitar Shop in Laurel, Maryland where you can get your guitars fixed up for this summer's gigging season. But without further ado, get to the conversation with Mark Dunn, and the song you're about to hear is Jesus at the Corner Bar. your hand dude i chopped off the end of my pinky on my guitar hand actually yeah i know <laughs> it's been a rough <laughs> rough how month. did you do that uh, i picked a fight with a chair and the chair was from philly so it beat me oh dude was it like how much of the knuckle like so i actually got to keep the knuckle um i effectively like degloved it if you know what that means so mm-hmm. basically my bone was hanging out for a while and um, I just recently got surgery to uh, to fix it. 
You know Ronnie so, a lot, but do you, are, are you old enough to remember him for, as a D back for the uh, San Francisco 49ers? Ronnie yeah. a lot. So he was the monster hitter, like just a yeah. safety. And uh, he he broke or demolished that part of his finger in the playoffs. Damn. Um, and they were going to sideline him for the Super Bowl. And he's like, fuck it. Cut it off. Yeah. It's like, cut it off surgically. You know, put a stub on that bitch, and he played the Super Bowl yeah. with a rat like what you have. Yeah. And um, as far as D gloving is concerned, my friend Scott Benevich is the bass player at Stort that played for years with Edwin McCain, and he had an industrial accident a few years ago. Yeah, that D gloved this finger. Oh God, the index on the on the fun hand. Oh, on his he played bass. Yeah, but he's back. Like it's it's definitely not the same, but. Mm. You know, he can play. Just, yeah, that just makes me, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. It sucks. Nah, it's fine. I'm an idiot. But um, <laughs> I'll join the Tony Iommi club if I have to. It's fine. He's there been, you doing go. It, been doing it for years. And um, I figure it might be a good opportunity to get better at slide, too, because I've been playing gigs with just two or three fingers lately um, <laughs> since it happened. And <laughs> it's too swollen and fucked up right now to put a slide on it. But once it's not, <laughs> I feel like I can... Maybe start getting better at it, you know? What's the name of your band? Uh, I call it The Hollow Truths, after a song lyric that I liked. And uh, what's what were you all at, genre-wise? I like to call us modern 90s. We sound like maybe we could have fit into like the American Pie soundtrack back in the day. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but we dabble in all sorts of stuff, genres, and a little bit of southern rock country, almost. I grew up like... What, a, do, you, what do you guys play? Um... Baltimore, D.C. primarily, and then we scoot up and down the East Coast when we can. Cool. So, um, Originals and covers? I mean, primarily, we hope to play our originals, but, you know, we're I play in the cover scene, too. So, They're theming that? Um, oh, absolutely not. It's really fun. You know, when I hear people just in cover bands, and, you know, that's just a, like age-old kind of fucking... Uh, trope, if you will, about musicians. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I turned it around on this guy and I said, you know, how many times have you been to Virginia Symphony? He goes, well, you know, a couple of years off ago for Christmas shows. I'm like, they're a fucking cover band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. percent, you know, so and I'll, I'll try and watch my language. I've been dropping enough bombs all day in the studio with, uh, actually with pissed for slide takes on this particular piece, but Oh, yeah. um, You're playing slide yeah. right now. I I was this morning. Um, nice. Well, yeah, I have been all afternoon. Actually, I was doing a, a bumper track for um for a client that'll wind up as like a lead in on a TV show. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I'll let you hear real quick if you can hear if it plays it. Just sure. guitar. So. You get the gist. Yeah, a little, little Almond Brothers action, you know. Well, yeah, I, I, I take them uh, the sample of it. I said it's little smoke on the water meets Beavis and butt in the head with Wayne Allman. So yeah, yeah, could definitely yeah. tell the smoke. Could definitely tell that was in the key of G for sure. <laughs> exactly, um, and not just in the key of G, the G that's the B flat. Oh yeah, it's yeah. yeah. 
that's cool. Um, yeah. well, it's cool to also uh, talk to a you know a fellow shredder, um, as well as I know we should probably point out that you are a full time musician and yada yada yada. Um, but this kind of just caters to the working musician. This podcast in general is yeah, the man. way I look We're at all it. Working. So it's good to see that you got work and that you're staying busy and um, that you are. Never enough. I mean, I'm really just rebuilding from the COVID crisis, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and isn't everybody? So I'm not used yeah. to it. But um, you know, it's it's uh, I, I started doing acoustic solo shows during COVID all over Virginia because the open air breweries and yeah, that's what I was doing. Yeah, you know, and so. That that kind of wound up being something I did do while it's not what I actually do. You know right. what I mean? But um but you know, it's been the door opener. I've just said, you know, to be I had so much stuff getting ready to happen that just was wiped out. Yeah, I've yeah. heard heard similar sentiments from people around the country for sure. But uh yeah, I don't know. Slowly but surely, right? It starts yeah, I mean, I I think the, the the bummer of it is for myself and for other guys that are you know kind of just bumping that next level. And I've been yeah. doing this my whole life, man. I mean, yeah. But bumping that next level where you're on, you're there, and then all of a sudden you get management looking at you, and then and then that happened, and we're literally still in the rebuilding of a career for most musicians that are not quite to that next level yet because right. the musicians that are there are the ones that are getting taken care of taken care of because they're you know that's a guaranteed money maker. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So a newer artist on the on the national scene or even broader regional scene is not something that management or agencies are necessarily gonna uh you know, have faith in until they get their existing roster handled. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a struggle that, but I did just sign up with uh, an agency out of Richmond there. You're a Richmond, correct? No, I'm actually uh, more like Baltimore. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were Richmond for some reason. Um, so free train management out of uh, Richmond is uh, a management at an agency and they, they have a, a uh, Stacey Schnetzka is uh, running that, and she was an agent for East Coast and decided to get out and do her own thing. And she's got a um, a pretty good roster, a lot of Americana, acoustic, singy, songwriter kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think I'm her only guy that does what I do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm stoked to be on that because I mean, we just had a phone call a minute ago before we started chatting and you know, about stuff all the way into September for next year. So it's nice to be able yeah. to look at having that kind of work when you don't have to worry about it day to day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've dabbled with the agent side of things a little, but yeah, I feel like I could pick your brain a lot on a lot of different subjects here. So I didn't really know like where to start or where to go. I mean, certainly since we're on like the music industry side of things, I feel like since you've been doing it for forever, you've obviously seen the, the winds of change happen there for sure yeah. and um i don't know i feel like a lot of people are interested in you know if you're pursuing art pursuing music most of us still have day jobs you know some of us don't some of us kind of stepping into that world but let's it's like you know how do you find your income streams as a lot of people like what a lot of people are worried about i feel like those little side hustles you know what i mean well um, i think you know for a guy like me 
I actually tried to not be a musician for a while and I made a crap ton of money and yeah. You know, can you imagine a guy that looks like this and drops the F-bomb every now and then be in the corporate world in an office? And yeah. I was really successful, but I was just miserable because money's not everything. And um, Yeah, of course. And it's, it's almost like when, you know, when you're when you're born into the circus, it's kind of difficult to get the, cl the clown makeup off, you know? It is. So, <laughs> um, so side hustles for me, I mean, everything that I do monetarily is a side has, hustle. It is no, it's, it's all music related. So yeah. I teach, I do sessions like this session here. Um, I do long distance sessions. Uh, I'm really, what I'm trying to get into now, especially with this project with Dave, I sent you that article from Rolling Stone. Yeah. Um, lot, let me just tell you a cool story about that guy. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how old you are, but if you're tempted, 33. You're hip, I, oh. 33. Okay. So, Stoic Couple Pilots had an offshoot band called Talk Show. Gotcha. When, when Wyland went to jail or rehab or both for whatever mm -hmm. in 97, and they hired Dave Coots, he's the singer. So it was literally STP with this other singer before, but they didn't call themselves STP. Of course. As they put on to do with other singers later, Chester and, yeah. you know. Um, so this album has been one of my favorite records. This it came out in '97 when I was a kid in my twenties, and yeah. um, and to be able to start working with him, you know, so many years later, one of my favorite singers. I went and saw them open for Foo Fighters in Norfolk at Old Dominion. Nice. And I didn't, I didn't even stay for Foo Fighters. Uh. Yeah, you know, no, just to Dave Grohl. I mean, but yeah, this is just a great record. So anyway, I get I struck up a friendship with Dave last October a year ago, and um. So we're knee deep in a record, and, and you know that that album. I'm hoping, or the, a couple of songs, I hope to get you know license sync licensing on the Netflix or the you know the. To to me, that's another area of representation because yeah. you have a, a music supervisor hip to what you're doing and that kind of thing. But um, I'd like to do that with my Top Gear album too, and I think that once you get one, it's oh, literally I, that that whole foot in the I, door. I firmly believe that because the only friend I've had successful do it is uh, currently opening for Weezer as of this summer. That's awesome. Just, they got on like Shameless at the HBO show. Oh, is this the guy? I, I've used that song as a walk-on song before. It's such a great. Is that the, oh, it's not the soundtrack. The They're just, song? It's definitely not the opening one, but it's a great, oh. great song. But it's just one of those songs that's used in an episode. They got that and shit just blew up for them. It's crazy. Oh to yeah, watch. dude. It's like a, it's it is it while it doesn't it's not that hard to have happen but it's hard to have happen. Yeah, you got to it's like having something go viral maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't think there's a formula but you have to have somebody that's at least a music some a supervisor or somebody that says these guys are writing banging songs and you dudes need to listen to them. You know what I mean? Right. It's somebody kind of in your corner a little bit. Yeah, an advocate, you know. Yeah. Um, and he's, and it seems to be more valid when that happens too, because that person in the middle isn't trying to get paid necessarily. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, it's not the, the fact that I don't give a shit about it. I mean, I do, it'd be nice to have happen, but I don't wake up in the morning going, how many phone calls do I need to make to networks and music yeah. supervisors? Yeah. I'm not sweating it, you know? So we'll see. Well yeah, maybe we should back up just a touch. Obviously, you're a shredder and, uh, you know, kind of uh, cut from 
uh, my own cloth, maybe a little bit, probably. Um, cause I grew up playing Eddie Van Halen and learning all that stuff and taking it as yeah, far yeah. as I could go. I finally stopped around the Steve Vai Ingve level. I just fucking gave up a little bit. That's about where I plateaued and I'm still working on it. If I'm not busy chopping off my fingers. Yeah. But, I'd say um, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, one door closes another, you know, slide guitar player is born. So we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Have but, you checked out uh, Ian Thornley from Big Wreck? Uh, records? No, Big Wreck, the band. No. Bro. They're good. Uh, considering my Christmas gift to you, if you've never heard of Big Wreck, go I'm listen good. to the record Albatross. All right. There, uh, there are also some shredders. So, imagine Chris Cornell singing and then playing guitar like Steve Morse. Ooh, that's a that's a deep cut right there. I like and it. these... And these guys are out of Canada, and they, they popped in 98. They were Berkeley guys, and they didn't mm. even finish their uh, time at Berkeley. They got signed to Atlantic. I think Jason Flom signed them. He was the same guy that signed guy. Uh, STP and other, you know, major bands. Yeah. That's that's neither here or there. But they had a song called The Oath, which hit radio that was a lot like The Who. Um, I know you were a little kid then, but uh, they, mm. they had another record. Anyhow... Albatross by Big Rex, one of my favorite records all time. And if you listen to it tonight, it will it will breathe inspiration to your soul. It's a Hell the yeah. guy stays his ass off, uses open tunings like Jimmy Page, and true reds with great tone. Wow. And and experiments with tones too, like it's not the same sound the whole time. Yeah. Are you big a big tone guy, I guess, as well? Or are you I am. you're dialed I'm a, in. I'm a tone snob. I I've got a What's your you main know, rig? What's your gigging rig? Um so, if you can see it, I don't think you up how it looks. That's the main rig now. It's a little blurry, but um, you can the just tell me. The that the ecstasy um, with a you know space shuttle type of pedal board that's got uh, the Strymon stuff and an ES8 uh, uh, Boss, you know, multi-switch. I had a Bradshaw system back in the day in the 90s when I was sewer, but I didn't have to move my own gear. Yeah. <laughs> I could get the heaviest shit. And have somebody else roll with. Um, That's what's up. And uh, uh, for tracking, I've got an Anwire Plexi, 100 watt Plexi. I've got this the, kind of the Nashville staple PD Classic 50 head. That's a great amp. Yeah, I've played that once or twice. And I've got know. a, um, I've got two boogie Electrodynes, and I've got a Lone Star. My favorite Mesa boogies always seem to be the ones that uh, they don't continue making. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, yeah, I went through the rectifier thing. And I mean, my favorite guitar players, uh, other than Van Halen being like my, my biggest influence as a kid coming up and learning how to play all that stuff, um, is Eric Johnson. And yeah. there's another not very well known guitar player, uh, named Michael Landau, who's an LA guy, studio guy that has been on. He, if you listen to the radio for 10 minutes any given day, you're going to hear his like, guitar playing is such a studio guy. He came yeah. up with Steve from Toto, like they were best buddies. Yeah. So, um, as far as tone style is concerned, or a tone guy, yeah, I like to experiment. I, I never get exactly what I wanted. You know, mm. uh, I don't know if you listened to Top Gear yet, but there's a tribute to Eddie on there called Drop E for E. And oh, nice. uh, I didn't listen to that one specifically, but I'll have to check it out now. 
it it's the one that it's the podcast's favorite of all the podcasts I've done because uh, okay. everybody loves Eddie. You know, if you're in rock and roll, of course. And uh, it was funny because we the the riff I've had um, forever. Hang on. It's like a you know. Drop D, and then you know the flange right there, that chunky part. So it's a straight unchained tip yep. of the hat, right? Um, so we had tracked it, and my producer on this album is three-time Grammy Award-winning Andrew Coleman, who's done. He's recorded with everybody from Prince to Madonna to Justin Timberlake to Pusha T. He's yep. just badass. Um, but he's also an Eddie Van Halen guy because he's from uh, Redondo Beach. So he was, he's a couple years older than me and was able to see a lot of that shit as it was happening. Um, yeah. but we, so we had three doubled guitar tracks of, you know, disparate tones to play that riff. And I'm like, I don't, it, it sounds good, but it doesn't, if we're going to make this a tribute to Eddie, then we need to make it a tribute to Eddie. So we flew on chained into pro tools <laughs> Oh, that's cool. And, and we sat there and I use an ox box a lot because I'm in a, you know, a home studio, which is yeah. decent, but if if I wanted to play at the volumes I wanted to play at, they'd hear it, you know, down the street. Yeah. And uh, so we just sat there and we tuned it in. I'd like your your feedback on it when you listen to it. But um, I think we we what well, what's funny about it is it went from six tracks to one. Mm. And it and it's just so beefy, yeah, and sad that it was the less than in the minimalist approach because when you listen to Fair Warning, which is my favorite band on record. Mm-hmm. When you listen to that, it's one guitar except for the overdubs. There's not any doubling. Yeah. You know, it's just, and it's like, it's so there, so present. And um, I'd yeah. like to think we got 75% unchained, 25% laying down from rat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good old, good old rat. Gotta love oh, that. That's a great, that's a great song, great riff, great tone. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I am a tone guy. I, I dick around with it all the time. And you still play every day, obviously, being a teacher and a studio guy and, and everything else. Yeah. 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 I you know, um, it's sometimes just you know, it gets to be a little bit of a thing. You know, I, I yeah. wanna always make guitar for fun. Right. So Do you I, feel I'll like it, you get tired of it? Like you look at it, your guitar and you're just like, Man, I don't know if I want to play you today. Yeah, and I and but I, it's not because I'm tired of playing guitar. It's because yeah. I have to go back to the well of inspiration. And for me, that is a completely different mindset. It's almost like mm. trying to find something that I haven't even really listened to, find the bits about it that I enjoy and figure out why I enjoy them. Because if they're too much like something else and it's an enjoyment based on familiarity, that it's not really a well of inspiration. Are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you mostly still inspired by the old records, guitar players, or do you have a bunch of new records and guys oh, that fire you wow. up. Some, some of the new guys are sick. I mean, yeah. I, uh, I thought Polythia at the last Nam show before the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that's, I, I, that's not really some music I'm going to listen to. Maybe if I'm, you know, working out or something, uh, yeah. but it's, it, it's not even like Sunday drive kind of music, but their intricacy is insane. Mm-hmm. It is literally clockwork. And I think that yeah. I think Tim Henson's approach to how he writes is unique. Um, and that's a good topic because he's he's a younger guy in the age of technology that's utilizing, you know, MIDI files to create a beat 
that right. he emulates on the guitar and then chooses the notes. I mean, like, Steve I never did that. <laughs> I don't think yeah. so. But you know, he, Eddie Van Halen never did that. You know, and so yeah. Uh, and Mateus Asato, great player. Um, a, a big Guthrie Govan fan because I think Guthrie bridges. Are you familiar with Guthrie? I am actually not. He is probably. I, there's no such thing as the best. Can we agree on that? Yeah, probably not. But to me, Steve Vai is at the top of the guitar hero it, pinnacle it, world. Yeah, I agree with Mount, that. Mount Olympus, I think, all around Guthrie, best. Guthrie Govan plays stuff that Steve doesn't do. That's fair. He looked him up. He's sick uh, as shit. It's just dumb. Yeah. But uh, Guthrie Govan and, and then Andy Wood, who I'm, uh, you know, I wouldn't say friends with, but we're, we're more than acquainted. Uh, and I based a lot of the playing aspect to somebody's capability to the right hand, the kitchen hand. That makes sense. Um, and Andy's hand and Guthrie's right hand are probably the most insanely efficient right hands I've ever seen. Yeah. Now we're Period. getting we're getting real really nerdy into the weeds. I like it. Guitar wise, talking about <laughs> picking picking hands. I've always oh, been I... baffled by Zach Wild for one thing. Yeah. Like what he does, especially like his chicken picking stuff that he does that's yeah. not even not even like um rock it's like hillbilly rockabilly well he's doing um, the you know kind of like the hybrid like getting that whole uh you know we can get that whole sorry i got some effects on yeah so, exactly and i you know i started growing the nails out um because i started getting into the more country stuff out of necessity, and then you listen to a guy like Brent Mason who wears a thumb pick yeah. and uses the flesh of his forefinger and then has a nail on the middle. And it's like I tell all those students for playing drums mm-hmm. while playing guitar because he's getting these, the dad, dad, you know, these rooms. Yeah. And if you didn't hear the notes, all you would hear would be the, the percussive aspect of it. Yeah. And so it's really cool. And I think that that's where, I mean, because obviously the left hand is important, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. But the the strings and the frets, if they're in tune, they are what they are. They're going to be there. Yeah. But this is our handwriting. This, to me, the right hand, the picking hand, is why if I got on your rig, I'm going to sound like me. And if you got on my rig, you're going to sound like you. It's the way we write. It's it's, it's our, our, our like rith- rhythm, basically, right? And, and how we attack the instruments, how we physically attack the instrument, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I in my opinion, here's the comparison. We all, if we all started guitar in class when we were six, everybody plays the same Gino. And then it's the same thing as going to kindergarten and learn how to write your letters. And then by mm. the time everybody's in third grade, you can tell what they're reading or writing, but everybody's handwriting looks different. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. So yeah. I re- there's, a, there's a great series, and we are getting guitar geeky now, which I love. So um, lay it on me. That's fine. There's a great series on uh, YouTube. From a guy named Troy Grady. Yeah. It's called Cracking the Code. Mm-hmm. It's insanely good and funny. And the videos are amazing. And, you know, the guy went through the same struggles I did with technology and not having any. Try to figure out Steve Vai shit back in the 80s, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, when getting, and he goes over all the picking, he invented, he got a patent for this thing that he calls the magnet that. It's, it's this thing that goes on the neck and it holds an iPhone so that oh. he can video somebody's right hand and not get in the way of them playing. 
Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, bro, you gotta watch it. It's just, like yeah. I said, it's entertaining. You'll just appreciate how he made the videos. Cracking yeah. uh, Troy Grady, amazing, really yeah. fun. And oh. he has a lot of the guys on we're talking about. Like he's gotten that far. I mean, guy looks okay. like a uh, like you know conservative, you know nerdy, library bound student, but mm. he spreads. He rips ass on a like a Fender Mustang. It almost it makes me laugh because it looks yeah. hard. You know, That's funny. yeah, you'll dig it. Um, but yeah, so in the guitar realm, when I when I get into something or try to draw inspiration, I try and go somewhere where I've never gone before. Like, and now I'm working on like Mike Stern stuff, who's a you know jazz guitar player extraordinaire. Um, and even though I I won't necessarily go and play that type of music, what all I, all I'm doing is expanding my vocabulary. You know, right. it's not like getting used to phrases. You know. Yeah, and I imagine being a teacher, you can probably jump between styles fairly easily now because I imagine students probably ask you to play all sorts of stuff, and then you're like forced, right? Maybe to learn. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. I mean, the the Um, level of like when somebody says they want to learn country guitar, and so now I have to ask someone, "What's your definition of country?" Morgan Wallen, Earl Acker, you know? Yeah. So. Or if like there's a jazz kid who comes to you and it's like, I want to learn, you know, all these progressions and stuff like that, right? I I I like that uh, because then I'll tell somebody like, if you want to learn jazz, I'll ask them the same thing. What's your definition of jazz? But secondarily, if they're not up on the theory, then I've got to I've got to bring them down that road, right? Before we ever even get into the technical aspects of it. But it's interesting because some students have a a, a natural intuition appreciate that yeah so whereas i could figure out this you know somebody else you know is able to figure out like you know it's you know chord extensions and things like that that you know it's just natural to them so it really takes it each person is particular you know yeah yeah it's (laughs) it's cool um it's it's definitely a journey um (laughs) never ending I, i guess probably actually the I'm actually sort of, it's funny, but I almost feel like I've taken five years off of getting better at guitar, partially because of working a real job over the last 10 years, and then also because somewhere along the way, I decided I want to learn how to sing, like to to be the front man of a band, because it's just hard to find a singer, as all of us guitar players know. So I feel like I spent the last five years or so really trying to learn how to sing, like taking lessons and the whole nine yeah and and because of that i feel like i've almost gotten worse as a guitar player and it pains me because i'm like i used to be i used to read you know guitar world and like try Mm -hmm. to to learn the bet you can't play this licks you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and all that stuff and i feel like i've just slacked off completely on my my i think i think what you're talking about is subjective though but i i get what you're saying i sometimes i just feel like i can play anything and then the next day i feel like i'm a you know, yeah, a third grader missing their pinky and their ring finger. Yeah, you know, yeah. But I I get it, but I think what what you're talking about of learning how to sing doesn't mean you're not getting better. I mean, chops don't make a guitar player better. You know, that's I true. Think, um, I think when I I think the most important thing as a guitarist or a musician, but as a guitarist, and why why is electric guitar so popular? It's because it's impersonal. So yeah, if you concentrate on tone. Like when somebody hears Eric Johnson, the opening of Pussy Dover, 
I don't know anybody that doesn't even play guitar that doesn't think that's great. And here's why. It's not because they understand how intricate his playing is. It's because his tone is what I call, and I've been saying this for years, audible aroma. Mm. It's pleasing to the ear. It's like the same thing. Like if you and I went out and just hit a sushi buffet and came out just stuff to the neck and then we drive by Burger King, that Whopper me and made still smells good. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the sound has to lure you in to what yeah. listen to what the notes are. You I, know? Think that's, I, I think I have a second part to that equation that I'd like to add as well, which is like I've always thought of the best guitar players as being lyrical and like yeah. their melody and like the two that come to mind right now that I've seen is uh, obviously Slash, I think is one of the most like just memorable lyric writers, like motif wise. And sure. then um, Santana is another one that I grew up on. And, and, and Santana's the musician. Yeah. I, I, he's the musician that plays guitar. He obviously doesn't have monster chops. No, but, but it's, he when has, you hear you know, a Santana he lick, you were like, man, that kind of sounds like Santana. And like, I tell you, when uh, the first time I ever heard somebody just being described as a lyrical player was Joe Satriani. And yeah. I had to think about that for a second. And, you know, and I, that to me, if you can hum something after the first time you hear it, then you, you're, that's a lyrical line. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, stuff like. <laughs> It's like it's just pretty, and it, or um. Oh yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, and I don't even know those songs, but the yeah the yeah. uh the, the melody's so pervasive. It's like you know, they yeah. take a minute for me. I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I just did. It's been a busy day. I don't know why everyone's calling today, but um, yeah. So anyhow, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it, the the guitar playing aspect of it for me, I don't think if I ever get bored with it, that'll be a bummer, you know. Oh, but yeah. I would, I, I would go far and wide to try and reignite the spark. And sometimes it's just playing a different instrument. Like I started during COVID taking online piano lessons. You know, I've been able to bang around on it for years. But yeah, piano made me go, wait a minute. You know, this is how this goes, and this is this line, and I can do it this way. So, yeah. Uh, I was gonna you know. f- gonna ask if you find inspiration outside of the guitar for guitar or for music in general, like what yeah. what do you what you look for? I just I I love anything that sounds good, and I know that's a dumb statement because it's so general. But back to the audible aroma thing, like I really love the way cellos sound, yeah. and that is that's inspiring. And cellos often take more of a, a foundational seat. Have you bought uh, the um the cello guitar? thing yet do you have one of those no but um, i did buy the, i did buy this sorry it's like a bow for your guitar oh it's a pedal well that's not what you're talking about but this velotron yeah. is basically the old um like strawberry fields forever rain song kind of synthesizer mm. sound that zeppelin and the beatles used and so it's got a cello on there oh, that's cool which i got that i did <laughs> i fun for hours playing yeah. shit but i've seen the thing you're talking about for acoustic Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, it's like a, yeah. I think they make it for electric too. I don't. I've seen it. I've only seen it on Instagram. I was thinking about. Well, buying. They had an Ebo for years, and of course, you could just use a magnet to make something vibrate. But okay, the, the ad that I've seen is the guy with the sound hole. He's pulling the thing in and out. It's, it's okay. actually pulling around the string. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like eight hundred bucks or something. So I was like, Are eh. you kidding me? It was a lot. It was a lot more than I thought because I was actually thinking about buying one. Then I was like, Nah, I'm gonna use this like twice, and then yeah. Well, check out the Mel 9 pedal from Electro Harmonix. Look for a demo on it. Or I think I've got a, a video of uh, me playing the rain song on it a couple months ago on my Instagram. So That's what's up. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, people called me bitching because they, had, they spent 300 bucks on it the next day after I put the video up. But it's just so much fun. I'm using it and tracking. Mm. It's, it's, it tracks amazingly well. It's unreal. It's really cool. And then, and then you're like, well, why wouldn't you just play the keyboard to get that sound? Just and for anybody that watches this, the Mellotron has a thing to it that's different than just a regular keyboard. So yeah, you can probably get different licks out of it, of course, too, because you're on guitar. So but, and well, what a Mellotron is or was is the way it's the keyboard. It each key had a tape on a tape head mm. with a sound. So if you had a symphony, it would be a symphonic sound from you know a pretty short keyboard. But you hit that, and then it clicks play. Mm. So. It was actually, I think, the first polyphonic electric keyboard device before Moog could play more than one note. Yeah. Because it's literally what you hear on Strawberry Fields Forever and what you hear on the Rain Song by Seven. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty Learn, cool. Learn something new every day. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I'll probably plug it at the beginning for you anyway, but um, figured I should ask where people what's the best place for people to follow you or find you is it your website or is it the social guitar.com and then all the social media links are there um and you primarily do teaching and session work or for live but um, of course live but i mean like if people are looking for you for business on that side of things yeah my my phone number is on the website um I, i probably need to update the website with uh Stacy, uh, freight train management for booking inquiries. But, you know, anything that comes into me now, I just send over to her. But if people want to reach out to me directly, I'm, I'm publicly available at this like point. Like if, yeah, like if people wanted to find you for session work, for instance. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, cool. Through, through the website. Not a problem. Yeah. I wasn't sure if maybe just your agent handles all that or if. No, that, that kind of work is definitely mine. That's just le- lessons yeah. and, uh, sessions and things like that. And not to say it won't come to them, but, yeah, uh, that they can reach out to me directly. Cool, I'll plug that for you, and then um, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Just trying to trying to help out here. No, that's great. I appreciate the um, time. Yeah, man, it's fun. Um, and if if you need some other guys that might be interesting for you to talk to, just let me know. I've got a a number yeah. of people that are doing uh, part time original music. You know, they where they all have day jobs. Nice. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll spread the wealth cool yeah i'm trying to um usually what i do is i'll focus in on a city either intentionally or accidentally because once i talk to one person it's usually often that like you know a few more will want to hit me up too but it works out because like we're trying to do like a spring run down the uh southern Mm -hmm. east coast so trying to you know work richmond into there and hopefully make some friends and find some places to play so who's booking you uh, me, myself, and uh, I. So, well, send me um, send me your link, and I'll forward it over to Stacy because she's got a bunch of rooms all over the place. That'd be awesome. So, yeah, I mean, maybe she could help out me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll definitely do that. Yeah, but for sure. um, and do you a lot of '90s ish covers? '90s ish. We can do I classic attention. rock. We can do kind of into the 2000s. 
you know, usually bar songs that people, you know, enjoy. Entertain it. All, all killer, no filler, basically. <laughs> That's what I like like to be. So. Oh, what's, the, what's the name of the band? Uh, I call it the Hollow Truths. Oh, you told me that. I'm yeah. sorry. Hollow yeah. Truths. I like that. That sounds um, pretty deep. Like uh, my, when you said that to me, I'm like, man, that they they got to be original. But no, no slight that it's not all original. That's a great name. It, it might. It might be a little too deep for our purposes, but I'm kind of a philosophical type of dude, so it's what I settled on. No, I <laughs> so. I can deal with that because I was going to call my record last one that I just released, "Existential Coffee." Nice, That's and good. I kept telling people that that was the title, and they would kind of do the head tilt Scooby Doo thing, and I got tired of it. I'm like, fuck it, I'm just fourth. One of the songs was called Top Gear, so yeah. that's just called Top Gear, you know, because. People kept asking me to explain existential coffee. I'm like, well, it just sounds cool because they're juxtaposed words. But yeah. think about it when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, it may not be possible to be existential without the coffee. There's uh, that. And it could so. also be a, a euphemism. Listen to the song, you'll get the, the Frank Zappa ish humor out of it. So, yeah, I forgot to clarify you do sing, right? Yeah, um, on yeah. the vocals on that yeah. album. Okay. Um, uh, the opening track has uh, what sounds like a the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, mm-hmm. but it's four of us: uh, Jesse Chong, Sherry Lynn, myself, and my better half, Chrissy. Um, and we stacked it, but it sounds pretty bitching. Like I can't believe yeah. it's actually anything I wrote. That's you know? cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, so yeah, so, I, I hope people check out the album. It's on all the platforms. Um, out of all of the platforms, it is my opinion the title sounds the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've heard of that one. It's Jay Z's. Okay. Yeah, it's um, because you know they all master, they all send out the the the, the music and the, the the digital data differently. It's like how, why why radio stations sound differently. They go through different yeah. processes. But that to me has a a more musical sound to it. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Uh, more cool. more album like. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the things I miss, and I mm-hmm. try to um, do my best because my car still has a CD player, so I'll still try to like. I'll still try. Well, maybe, maybe not. Right? I mean, car's twenty years old, but um, I still I, I think it's bullshit that my car doesn't have one. Yeah, because I like the album. I get attached to an album. You know, you just front to back, and like <laughs> it's so easy now with the streaming services to always just play the singles that you almost forget to like push play on an album and listen to all the way through or you just don't because your attention span doesn't allow it but well I, to that point we've come full circle in the music business in the 50s yeah that's well all that was released for singles you know right. and there might be a b-side or sometimes i mean I'm, I'm the youngest of five boys so a lot of these singles from well before i was born because my parents yeah. were old i came around uh the, the B-side would be the instrumental version, so you could de facto karaoke it before there was karaoke. And that really made songs popular. And then you get into the albums in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and then the 90s. And then the digital domain comes around, and here we are back to basically being able to release singles again yeah. if you wanted to, to be a hit. Uh, somebody brought something up. This is kind of in that line of discussion, but tangential, about the piss poor pay scheme that you get from the Spotify and Apple and all that stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought about, because we have lost the romanticism of buying this tactile piece, right? Like 
Yeah, but, I, I like to look at album artwork. Record know? sales are kicking ass, so there is that. Well, what I would like to see, you know, and the the owners of the music catalogs really have all of the say. Mm-hmm. So if the pub and whoever owns Aerosmith's music, Van Halen, ACDC, Garth Brooks has already pulled this shit. You don't find any Garth Brooks tunes on YouTube that are actually in yeah. this cover. And they try to police that as well. Mm. If they if they held it hostage, one of the things I thought would be kind of cool would be like, you could go to Spotify and listen to a minute of each song from an artist. Yeah. But in order to unlock the song, you buy the CD again. Buy the CD and there's a QR code that takes you to the platforms that unlocks yeah. the full song. You know what I mean? I mean, I think and that, that already exists. I don't, degree. well... But not on Spotify, like oh you know, yeah, not, it, yeah, not there. Yeah, but, but I mean, QR codes. I think kind of the the thing that everybody takes for granted now. But man, yeah. you want to talk about getting paid, and that that would allow for guys like us that are trying to sell wares to have an important product again by virtue of a CD. Yeah, pretty much. You know, so it's just one of those things. Uh, I don't know. I'm not griping. I'm not being sour about it. I think technology is amazing, but. Nowadays, when I when I'm making a record, the record is or an album, or the music is just basically being recorded as an impetus to go play it live because that's where you're gonna go make your money. Yeah, or you're gonna wind up on a TV show. <laughs> yeah, one of my one of the guys who's sort of big around here, who's uh, who's been on the show, he always says that a record is uh, just a flyer for a show. That's exactly right. Now I'm gonna steal that. Tell him I said thanks. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's Joey Harkum. He's a, he's a good songwriter. Um, but I, I was like, yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, I, I never thought of it that way at all. Actually, I was more of, more of the, the idea of kind of the opposite, but it's, it's a helpful way of maybe thinking sometimes. It's spot on. I, I'm yeah. totally going to feel that like amazing. That's really good. Yeah. A record, just a flyer for the show. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, true. Uh, anyway, um, I figured you know, I don't know how much time you got, but I, I did sort of have like one topic that I wanted to. We touched on it. We didn't quite go th- all the way into it. Sure, lay it but, on um, it. You know, I I was also working, uh, you know, a real job in the fire department. Blah blah blah, making good money and all that stuff, and um, kind of abruptly um, quit. And I I was building like music or artistic related interests and all that on the side the whole time because the nice part about that gig is you have a lot of time off but i was every fire i know as a side also or two exactly so i was kind of curious you know what led i guess outside of just general dissatisfaction with your job before and your career you're obviously you know playing music the whole time but like what made you make the jump finally was there one day where you're boss just pissed you off or like were you like planning it carefully and then like how did it Uh, so i i used to work a day job and play on a professional level and it about killed me and uh it may be at dad and so you know the my kid's mom and i didn't wind up staying together which is okay in the long run like you have kids you're young, but they're grown now, but yeah. young very young adults. And um I would say that they 
the precipitating factor in me becoming a full-time musician was the 2008 uh crisis yeah yeah um because when i was trying to not be a a musician or you know i'd I'd been in the data realm for a while didn't play live for a good two or three years sold most of my stuff nice like i looked down to two guitars and an amp wow yeah now i have 30 and Mm. you know and i'm at and it's not because I'm self-indulgent. It's just because of tools, you know. I mean, I use them; yeah. they're all different. Um, and when that when the market crashed, I was uh, I had moved back from Atlanta to Virginia Beach. And I was doing like this off, you know, remote working data work and and whatnot. And uh, that date just folded because it was basically new connect data uh, for the housing market. So yeah. when that happened. So at that point, I'd, you know, pulled my bootstraps up, went and got it teaching, you know, I worked for myself, but would rent a room at a store at Virginia Beach called Alpha Music, and now I teach it Volume 11 music in Fredericksburg, um, and started branching out. And it was funny because literally at that moment that I, I separated from that job about a year later. I started getting calls from Nashville to go to tours, uh, radio tours to appearances of some of the upcoming artists. Yeah. And I just, is the shit. And it's funny because, as you said, one thing happens, another door opens. Yeah. If I would have had the day job, I wouldn't have been able to do those. Yeah, that's true. Those things, yeah. you know? And, uh, and you know, I mean, there's, there's no, if you're a real full-time working musician, I don't think people have an understanding. I know you do. But I don't think people have an understanding that it's a it's a it's a twenty five hour a day job because <laughs> if I'm I'm working for myself, so I'm shaking every tree to see how much money can fall out. Yeah. And the funniest thing in the world is is when I meet someone new nine times out of ten that may or may not if they don't know who I am, and I'm not saying that in a very conceited way, but they don't know that I this is what I do. When I tell them I'm a full time musician, guess what their follow up question is? What else do you do? Or... Yeah, what's your day job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, they, most people have no understanding that somebody can make a living doing this and without being like, like famous. Solo, yeah. Without, without being famous. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, and, you know, and I've got a friend back in Virginia Beach that's almost 70. I mean, he's well older than I am, but yeah. he's been playing the solo acoustic gigs. For forty or forty-five years, he's put four dollars through four daughters through colleges, paid for marriages, his house is paid for, gets wow. private lessons. I mean, he's just. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. To me, that's success. Yeah. Well, at the bare minimum, it's successful. It's a successful enterprise or job. A hundred percent. Like, um, I don't know if it feeds your soul, but if it does, then that's great too. I think. Um, yeah, I I know what you mean by that, and I, and and his name is Louis McGee, and and he's yeah. written songs, and he's well thought of nationally. His daughters are all super talented. Uh, every everyone knows. Like I don't, I can go somewhere, and I can go to any state in this country, and within five people, I will know somebody that knows of Louis. But mm, as far funny. as feeding his soul is concerned, I you know the art. I I think like fifteen years ago, I asked him. I'm like, hey man, are you doing any recording or writing stuff? He's yeah. like. Hell no. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he's got it made in the shade. Got the house paid yeah. off. You know, and, uh, I think he'll write a song and maybe perform it live, but he's got, 
original works that people know and love, you know, locally. And, yeah. uh, that's awesome. you know, he, he's also gotten to the point where he gets to, um, he works by his rules. Yeah. That's and the real, that's the real soul feeder. That's the real key. Yeah. To, uh, yep. to everything. I think. Yeah. When a venue calls you as, and wants you to play and you tell them how it's going to go, that's, <laughs> that's when, you, that's when you've got it. Yeah. Yeah, even on a local level, I mean. Oh yeah, just not having a boss, you know. Yeah, like okay, well, I'm going to do a three-hour show, and I'm going to start at this time and be done by this, and yeah. you know, and and the the venue's like okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, as opposed, as opposed to just getting you know standard old shit rammed down your throat, you know? Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's but cool. Yeah, man. But yeah, no, it's been a fun conversation, and. uh I definitely appreciate you coming on. Yeah, um, dude, stay in touch. Then now it's to be a podcast. You have questions, you want to send me something or ask me a question, or if you need yeah. these, uh, while, while you're gym sealing, if you need yeah. something, try to let me I know. actually, yeah, had I had I talked to you two weeks ago, then I, I would have, but I ended up uh, hitting up one of my buddies to do a solo for me, which did kill me internally <laughs> because I often joke that I've only learned to sing and write songs just so I can add the lead part. That's like my final. That's my whole thing. Like that's right. I just want. Well, have... you know, that's what Brad Brad Paisley said. Lyrics are just the spots in between guitar solo. Yeah, it's kind of. Like, <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, I like lyrics too, but like, yeah, it's. I always, I always want to work hard on the whole song, make it as good as it can be, but then, wait a minute, and then drop the final, you know, uh, cherry on top, which is like, you know, killer guitar solo. What's your favorite Van Halen? Um, it's funny because I feel like I'd never listened to the albums all the way through. So I just like, it would be easier to think of like my, just my favorite solos. And like the one I played relentlessly, I feel like was like ice cream, man. Great, great. Like, killer. um, slow but, that down to 75 or 80%, uh, in software and it'll sell like Eric Clapton playing with a burlesque band. It's absolutely hilarious. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> It's huh. spot on Eric Clapton circa nineteen sixty eight with a burlesque band. Yeah. That's cool. But I you know, take the deep dive on Fair Warning. To me, that's the best tone album. Yeah. Uh, it's uh it's the angriest album and it's I think Does that's that the have a, Atomic Punk on it. No, Atomic Punk on one, so it's ice cream. Okay. Okay. Fair warning then was your I'm fourth a, album. Maybe I'm like a, a one guy, sort of. But uh Oh, I see what you're saying. Mean Street, that's a good riff. Uh, of course, Unchained. Yeah, dude. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah. I was the kid who always wanted to play Eruption, obviously. So. I'm wrong with that. Still play it at the cover shows, because why not? <laughs> there you go. You know. Well, send me all the band. I think I just, you, should, you just sent me a link. I'll send it over to Stacey, and uh, maybe she has some room for y'all as you guys are trying to track down south yeah or maybe maybe we can coordinate a show too uh yeah let, let me know um yeah man stay in touch and uh you know send me out the, send me the stuff you're working on i'd love to hear it. i'll send you the stuff we're doing with dave you know yeah, that'd, be, that'd be fun i got your right, uh, brothers got your number and email so keep uh keep kicking ass and i'll uh let you know when this thing uh comes out that's cool i did the thumbs up and the thing yeah, i was wondering how you up. did that I, yeah, <laughs> you must have like the newest operating system on your iPhone or something. That kind of weird. Yeah. All, All right. right, man. Have a good one. I hope you heal soon, bro. Keep me up on that. Thanks, man.
Appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. So, yeah, if you made it this far, thanks for listening. The song that you're hearing in the background is called Round by Mark Dunn.